please bow with me in prayer? Lord, take my lips and speak through them. Take our minds and think through them. Take our hearts and set them on fire with love for your Son, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Our fall sermon series on God's Way. And for those of you that may not have been here over the last few weeks, we've been progressing through talking about God's love and how God's love is manifested in the family and in the church and how we as the church are to manifest God's love into the world. And there's a dimension of God's ministry that from the beginning he manifested because of who he is a trait, a characteristic of who he is that's meant to be carried out through us. And when you hear the word, the word itself conveys so much of what that is meant to be in us that we're meant to carry out. It's a part of who he is that when the Holy Spirit moves in us, we carry out that ministry. And the word is compassion. When you hear the word compassion, the word itself conveys the meaning, if you think about it, come, that you draw alongside of, and passion, that you feel deeply, that that's the ministry of the Lord. From the very beginning, when God created Adam and Eve, we're told that he walked in the garden with them that he drew alongside them, that he wanted to have a relationship with them. That's the nature of God. That when you think about faith, if you think about faith as a bunch of rules, if you think about faith as an intellectual exercise, you totally misunderstand what faith is about. Faith is not about morality. God wants us to be holy like he is holy. But it's about a relationship with Him. It's about walking with Him. That Adam and Eve, where the problem came in, is that they said, we want to be God. That's the nature of sin, if you really understand sin. It's not about those wrong things that we do that we want to get away with. Okay? That's what we think sin is. Sin really is about a broken relationship. It's saying to God, I don't really want you to be the God of my life. I want to be my God, the God of my own life. I don't necessarily need or want a relationship with you. I want to call the shots. That's sin, if you really understand sin. And that's why the fall took place. And God has, since that time, what I talked about last week and the week before, even before Adam and Eve left the garden, Genesis 3.15, that God revealed that He was going to provide a way for us to be restored to Him. A prophecy about sending a Messiah. And when Jesus came, 
he revealed that same idea about who God is. That he was called Emmanuel, God with us, to draw alongside us. That when he began his public ministry, he walked with the apostles. That he came to die on a cross to put his arms of love reaching out to die in our place for our sin so that we might feel his embrace, his love. That he said in the upper room and he promised when he ascended, I will send the Holy Spirit to be with you. To dwell with you. To be in you. So intimate, just like me. He called him the paraclete, the one to draw alongside you, just like me. And when he ascended, he said, Lo, I am with you always, in the person of the Holy Spirit, to be intimately connected to you, to draw alongside you. That's the nature of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, to be with us. His person is compassion. To come alongside us because He's passionate for us. That's God's nature. That's what He wants for us. And that's what He wants in us for other people as we take now His body. We become His body for the world. This ministry of compassion, if we really understand. And this is just not God of the New Testament, by the way. Did you hear the reading from Lamentations? If you have it in front of you in your bulletin, look at it again. If you look at, for example, verse 25, the Lord is good. The word is he's compassionate to those who wait for him, to the soul that seeks him. God is full of goodness and compassion for His people. And by the way, if you don't understand where the book of Lamentations is in the Bible or who wrote it, let me just tell you. It's written by Jeremiah. Jeremiah is known as the weeping prophet. Okay? Just so you know that. Because he saw Israel be judged and go off into exile and he suffered a lot of persecution because he was prophesying about what God was going to do. He wasn't a happy camper. Okay? And he's saying, the Lord is good for those who wait for him. And then, if you look at verse 32, although he causes grief, he will have compassion according to the abundance of his steadfast love. His steadfast love. It's always there. If you really understand the nature of God and what he has for us. But there's a phrase that is throughout the Old Testament. And Jesus carries this ministry through the New Testament that really makes the point that if you really want to see this compassion of the Lord, this steadfast love come through, look at those that you would least expect to understand or experience it. And the phrase is, the Lord cares for the poor, the sojourner, the widow, and the orphan. The poor, the sojourner, the widow, and the orphan. Let me tell you about each one of those. First of all, the poor. 
When you read the poor in the scriptures, the poor in different contexts means different things. But see, even then, when we hear the word poor, unless you've really seen poor people, you may not even really comprehend what I mean by poor. Because the poor in the times of the Old Testament, even in the times of the New Testament, is far different than the poor that we see in the United States today. Because think about the poor in the United States today. The poor in the United States today have governmental programs. They have food stamps available to them. They have um, shelters available to them. They can get hot meals. They can get clothing. That's not true of people during biblical times. That's not true of people in third world countries that I have visited. Dominican Republic, Honduras, Tanzania, Mexico, places like that that I've done mission trips to. So when we hear the word poor, sometimes our idea of poor poor is very skewed. And yet when Jesus, in Luke chapter 6, says, blessed are the poor, he doesn't say poor in spirit, that's in Matthew. We'll come back to that. He says, blessed are the poor. The amazing thing that I've seen when I go to these countries is the poor. The people that really understand the Lord's Prayer when they pray, give us this day our daily bread, because they really are praying that like that's what they understand it to be. They're living for today's daily bread. Are so joyful. They seem to have a special presence and understanding of the Lord that we can't comprehend because they depend on Him and they see Him come through. They see Him come through. They have a special peace about their lives because they see the deliverance of the Lord constantly. And they're not bound by the things in this world like we are. They're living for eternity. That's what their mind is set on. When they do have the things of this world, they are so grateful and thankful. So their lives are filled with joy. Yes, they have grief from time to time. Their life expectancy is so much less than ours. Their health care is so much poorer than ours, and yet they have so much joy. They understand this blessedness in a completely different way than we do. Blessed are the poor. That in their poverty they have a special connection with God once they come to know Him and trust in Him. I long for that. That kind of joy, that kind of peace. That's what we all want. And blessed are the poor in spirit. Why is that? Well, because the only way that we can really come to an understanding of faith at all is if we empty ourselves. When we look at the Word of God and say yes. When we look at Jesus Christ and we say yes. When we realize we can't save ourselves. It's not about us being good. It's about Jesus Christ and His death on the cross. When we realize that we can't be the God of our own lives. That we need a Savior. 
And we need not only a Savior, we need a Lord who will take over our life. That it's not our will, it's His will. That we need to understand the poverty we have of our own spirit. And that we need to say, Lord, we need you. That's the Sermon on the Mount. So you've got the Sermon on the Plain in Luke chapter 6. Blessed are the poor. And you've got the Sermon on the Mount in in Matthew chapter 5. Blessed are the poor. So there's different ways of understanding the poor in Scripture. But the reality is, once we are a believer, and we have the compassion of the Lord, or at least we're meant to in our hearts, then we as the body of Christ are meant to be the ones that reach out to the poor. That we are meant to be His hands and His voice and His heart. Seeking to address those who are poor. That really the opposite of compassion. That we're drawing alongside other people who have need. Is that we're only interested in taking care of ourselves. That it's all about me. And so many people in our world today have a poverty of compassion. That they're not giving themselves away. They're not drawing alongside of others. We are meant to be the ones who help to bless the poor. The promise to Abraham was blessed to be a blessing. That when we come to faith... We are to be the ones to be a blessing. Secondly, the sojourner. That's a word that's not really common in our culture. Let me put it a different way. Someone who's traveling through the land, a foreigner. Now, in Hilton Head, we get a lot of them. They're called tourists. (laughs) But a foreigner is someone who's Traveling through the land. Sojourner. And if you think about it, the way that God refers to that in the Old Testament is he says, because you were once a sojourner. And it's used in different contexts. In the land of Egypt, when you went there because you needed food, when you were enslaved there, you were a sojourner there. And then they were sojourners in the wilderness when God had to provide constantly for them. And then they were sojourners when they were in exile, when their land was conquered. Several times in the history of Israel, they were sojourners. You know what it's like to be a sojourner, people of God. To be uncomfortable, to be out of your element. And if you really understand what it means, then you need to care for those who are uncomfortable and out of their element. Be sensitive to them. Care for them. Give them directions. Not the wrong ones. 
Reach out to them. And oh, by the way, during biblical times, if they were sojourners, that meant they had different beliefs. Witness to them. Share the gospel so they take it back with them. That's the key. We are meant to be witnesses of the gospel. If you really understand. Once again, it goes back to Abraham. Blessed to be a blessing. Sojourners. People that are struggling. People that are confused. People that are off balance. We see people like that all the time. And Jesus modeled that in his own life and ministry. Think about it. In John chapter 4, when he met the Samaritan woman at the well, he reached out to her. That was unheard of for a Jew. And then the Syrophoenician woman, when he was on vacation at Tyre, he reached out to a Syrophoenician woman. And then when he was in Jerusalem, there were Greeks who came to see Jesus. Sir, we wish to see Jesus. So he reached out to the Gentiles. And then we see the early church taking on the same model. As Philip reached out to the Ethiopian eunuch. And then we see Peter reaching out to the centurion. And then we see Paul being the apostle to the Gentiles. And there it goes. The gospel is going out to foreign lands. Because We are meant to be a blessing to those who don't know the Lord. That's the point of caring for sojourners. It's people that are lost. The lost sheep, the prodigal son, people that are lost. Either they're lost because they're wandering around your place or they're lost because they don't know the Lord. People that are lost. And we are meant to be a blessing to the lost. Understand. Blessed to be a blessing. A blessing to the nations. The nations mean all those who don't know the Lord. That's what it means. That was the promise to Abraham. The first person of faith. The first person who knew the Lord. The first Israelite, if you will. And Jesus modeled it, and so did the early church, and we need to carry that on. And then we come to the widow and the orphan. They represent the helpless. The widow and the orphan represent those who can't do for themselves. And there's a lot of people who can't do for themselves. In the Old Testament, Elisha raised the widow's son who had died because a widow couldn't do for for herself. And then Jesus raised the widow's son to show that God cares for widows and God cares for orphans. John 1 We have the power to become the children of God because we are orphaned 
because of sin. God cares for orphans. God cares for children. Suffer the children unto me and do not hinder them for to such belongs the kingdom of God. God cares for children. God cares for the helpless. Jesus healed the man who was paralyzed for 38 years. Jesus healed the man who was born blind. There are people who are helpless and hopeless in our culture. When the Old Testament talks about the widow and the orphan, that's the reference. People who could not fend for themselves, care for themselves, ended up being preyed upon by people in the culture, ended up being abused, ended up becoming slaves or prostitutes. The church needs to reach out to them. The helpless and the hopeless. And we've got them around us. You know, and sometimes this compassion. Jesus even got angry, by the way, when people failed to show compassion. Did you ever catch that? When there were helpless people that the Pharisees didn't reach out to, Jesus got angry at them. That's how deeply he felt this compassion. If you really understand what we're to be as the church, the word compassion is a word that comes right out of your guts, right out of your bowels. Sorry to get graphic. That we are not meant to be a superficial, surface kind of people. The church is meant to be people who have a deep sense of their faith. A deep sense of passion for people. A deep sense of commitment to the Lord and reaching out to other people. Because we care. And when our faith is superficial, our response to the Lord and to other people is going to be superficial. I want you to think back for a second. When's the first time you experienced compassion? Maybe when you were a kid and you skinned your knee. And if you had a mom who was loving, took you in your arms and cared for you and mended your knee. That's probably one of my first memories. Or maybe a friend when you had a terrible breakup with a boyfriend or a girlfriend and drew alongside you and listened to you, comforted you. The compassion of a friend. Maybe the person who shared the gospel with you, who was persistent, maybe even obnoxious sometimes, because they cared for you. Maybe someone in the last few weeks because of the hurricane who came alongside you and cared for you. Or maybe you were the person who shared compassion. You cared for someone else. I have heard wonderful stories about compassion over the last few weeks. It's really blessed me. When I was writing my 
sermon series. I heard a story of compassion that was really touching to me. And it happened at the end of the Ryder Cup. I don't know how many of you followed the Ryder Cup or watched it. Bubba Watson. It's a name that's known in the golf world. I mean, we just love the name Bubba anyway, don't we? But Bubba Watson is very well liked, and many people, most people, thought that he was going to be chosen for the Ryder Cup team, and he wasn't. And you would have thought that someone like Bubba, I don't know, some people would have gotten bitter. Some people would have pouted. Some people would have talked to the media in negative ways about it. You know what Bubba did? Bubba volunteered to become an assistant coach for the Ryder Cup team. At the end of the tournament, he said, this was my greatest privilege and accomplishment as someone who's in the golfing world. This is a guy who won two Masters. He volunteered to be an assistant coach. He didn't play. He said, this was my greatest, assistant, uh, greatest accomplishment and privilege. Then, immediately followed, Brant Snedeker came on, teary-eyed, and said, if Bubba Watson wasn't by my side, I would not have won my match. I got teary-eyed. That's compassion. Someone who could have been selfish and bitter and instead showed compassion for someone else, drew alongside them. I'll tell you a story of compassion that changed my life. Nearly 40 years ago, almost 40 years ago, really, hard to believe now, I met this girl by the name of Meredith Fraley. Her name's now Meredith Kronz. And we were sitting on a porch, and we were getting to know one another. We just started dating. And I was telling her my family background. And as I was telling her some of the challenges that I had faced with my family, she started crying. And it really caught me off guard. I thought, why are you crying? It's my family. It's my stuff. <laughs> I didn't get it. I really didn't get it. And she looked at me and she said, that must have been really hard. And I thought, I never really thought about it. I just kept moving. Because what does a 20-year-old guy do? Keeps moving. Doesn't slow down. I was an extreme extrovert. I was very active. Meredith showed me compassion and empathy. I'd never experienced it quite like that before. It's probably one of the reasons I'm married to her. She really touched me at that point. She's taught me about compassion. I keep learning from her, from other people. It didn't come naturally to me, in part because of my family background, in part because probably my personality. But I had to first come to the Lord to learn about compassion.
because he's the source. And we find it at the cross. The one who died for us in our place for our sin. Out of love for us. The one who came to earth to model what compassion looks like. And our culture and our island needs it now more than ever. If you're a superficial, intellectual, selfish person or Christian, you need to learn what it means to be a passionate and compassionate disciple of Jesus Christ. Because the Lord wants His compassion in His body, His church. Let's pray. Lord God, all around us we are told to take care of number one and do your own thing and you're your own person. And yet, Lord, you call us to something different. First and foremost, you call us to yourself in your Son, Jesus Christ. That he went to the cross so that we might know him as Savior and Lord. And then you call us to be like him. Not self-centered, but compassionate. To live with self-sacrificial love. Lord, teach us as individuals and collectively what that means. To be your disciple, to be your people. In a culture, and especially now on this island, to be your church. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.